Welcome to the Men of Valor program. We are uh, excited again today to have Josh Moon from the Faithful and True uh, Counseling staff with us today. And uh, the last podcast uh, went so well that uh, Greg thought that it would be really beneficial to you, the listeners, if we had Josh join us again. So, Josh, welcome back to the Men of Valor program. Thank you, Randy. Greg, as always, welcome back to the Men of Valor program. Thank you. Well, um, as we continue, um, for those of you that weren't able to hear last week, um, we talked about the importance of the Old Testament and kind of the invitation that the Old Testament gives to engage our story, the story of the people and God's faithful in that, faithfulness in that. And as Randy mentioned, I'm Josh Moon, who is an Old Testament scholar and a part of the Faithful and True team, is here to continue that conversation um, about so what does it mean to us? We can read the Old Testament. We hear these stories. So what might be the um, practical application that we can have as we look towards understanding and engaging our own story? I think there are so many ways to speak about that. I want to talk about one of them in particular, but I'm going to start with the Gospels just real quickly. There's this moment in the baptism of Jesus where he goes down into the water and he comes up and we're told that immediately the dove, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. It's this Trinitarian moment, Father, Son, and Spirit. The Spirit comes down and rests on the Son and the Father speaks from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And it's a wonderful, powerful moment. There's a story in that, mm -hmm. actually. This phrase, this is my beloved Son, is actually borrowed from what we call the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. It's taken from there. It's a way of speaking to Israel. Jesus, in the narrative there, he's embodying Israel. There's a huge difference when you hear your story, having pronounced over you, you are my beloved son, by the Father that really matters. Mm -hmm. And being able to be okay with our stories, as Israel was called to be okay with their story, with a story that involved a lot of idolatry, a lot of unfaithfulness, even the great fathers of their story engaged in these things. Well, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Let's start the story from, this is my beloved son, has been pronounced over you. And then we start to read the story. So as a way in to the applying the Old Testament, taking hold of it, loving it, and living ourselves into that story— seems to me that's a good place to begin, is the baptism of Jesus that illustrates this larger point about who Israel is, and so being okay with their stories. Mm -hmm. Well, and since we're in the New Testament, what we also hear and learn is that we can't know who Jesus is if we don't understand his history and his ancestry. So there's this list of all of the ancestors that led up to that moment, and in that, each of them is represented through some story from their life in the Old Testament. So it's the, the generations and the chronology and the history and the stories that help us to understand who Jesus is and the context in which he was born. That's right. And I love that the way Matthew does that genealogy right at the beginning, you know, he involves Solomon with Bathsheba and he mm -hmm. names her. Right. right. Every one of his readers, he expects to know or be able to find out, who is Bathsheba? That is not a beautiful story that you mm -hmm. want to tell into the lineage of the Messiah. Right. 
You have the inclusion of these figures, Bathsheba, Rahab, even Ruth. There's some questions around this story of Ruth where things that should be shameful Mm -hmm. have been redeemed and set into this other story. And they're made okay, not in and of themselves, but because they take place in a particular story of God's acting to redeem this world to himself. Mm -hmm. When... One of the principles I think that um, we can learn um, from the Old Testament is that editing our story doesn't serve us. That when we start kind of picking and choosing and and glamorizing and and just referring to those stories from our past and from our ancestors' past that paint everything in a positive light, we miss out on the, the richness and the beauty of whatever is true. And I often say, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. <laughs> so if if it's good enough for Matthew to list this lineage that does create um, chaos, that does have pain, does, does have poor choices, if, if it's important that that's included in Jesus's story, then it makes sense that it's important that it's included in our story. That's right. And to get back to the Old Testament, so I feel more comfortable here. Oh, <laughs> uh, No. You have some a figure like King David. Now, in the ancient world, you don't tell stories of your kings. We have lots of records from Nineveh and the kings of Nineveh, from Egypt, the Egyptian kings, some from Babylon. Uh, we have lots of records of official stories of mm-hmm. kings. And Egypt in particular is famous for never, ever revealing that a particular king lost a battle. You just you don't talk about that kind of mm-hmm. thing. You move on, and you use a, a little phrase that just kind of glosses over, and you move on. They didn't do this with David. Right. They didn't do it with him. They didn't need to do it with David. And that's so much of the beauty and the power is I don't have to pretty up my story or the story in which I'm standing, the legacy I'm standing. I don't need to beautify it for grace to happen. In fact, I whitewash it, and all of a sudden, those who are looking on don't need grace right. to be a part of the story. And so then, I'm, I'm committed at this point. Uh, this is part of my own story here, is learning to tell my story and the mm-hmm. fullness of it and how hard it was for me to get to that point. Because when people looked at me, I wanted them to see a certain thing. I wanted them to see somebody who was strong and successful. And there were all kinds of unhealthy things that led to needing to puff up. It was shame. And I need to puff up and to be strong and make everybody look look at me and be impressed. I don't need that. Right. I need grace. And in order for me to see it, to show that, I need to be okay with my story and the complexity of it. One, one of the principles in reading the scripture is understanding the context of a lesser story set in the context of a greater story. So our story is the lesser story, the, the story of David, the story of um, the prophets. Those are the lesser stories set in the context of the greater story, and the greater story is the story of God. And one of the principles that I was introduced to that was really transformational for me was many times when we teach the scripture, we teach it as a series of individual stories. And it was in seminary that I heard this idea that the the Bible is not a a collection of stories, it is one story. And so when we understand the one story about God's activity, God's love, God's grace, God's hope, and every other story is set in that context, 
then all of the pain, all of the chaos has meaning. And it's important for us to, to be able to understand that. Um, I mentioned at the in the last podcast that um, in January, we're looking at this idea of legacy. And part of understanding the legacy is whatever it was that we inherited through the past, whatever we, we gained, which was helpful, which wasn't helpful. But even with that, um, whatever we inherited is in the context of God's activity in our lives. And that's what makes it possible for us to understand, embrace, and even welcome the chaos and the pain of the past into our own story. You know, Russ, who is here and was on a podcast not too long ago, he loves to talk about kintsugi. So this Japanese art form where you take a piece of pottery that's been broken and a beautiful dish, a plate or a bowl, and you put it back together using a gold compound. And so you very painstakingly put all the pieces back together and the end product is something that's more beautiful, that's more valuable because it has the grace of the gold being worked in and it's along those seams Mm -hmm. and it becomes something it could never have become before. And I've loved that image and it fits what you have with somebody like David. Why Mm -hmm. is David okay? Because of God, Mm -hmm. because of God's grace. Why is Abraham okay? Because of God, because of the work of God in Christ. Why am I okay? Because of God. Mm -hmm. Why is my father? Well, same story. It is taking place in this big story. And once I can stand there and feel myself safe within that story, well, then I can be okay with all of the seams, all of the breaks, all of those things, not in themselves, but as a part of this bigger work that God is doing to redeem the world, reconcile it to himself. Mm -hmm. God's grace And God's activity fills the space of my limitations and my inadequacies and my sin. And that is where we find hope. One one thing I want to go back to for our previous um, podcast is that we begin to talk about um, it's not enough just to tell the story. It is important how we tell the story and why we tell the story. And um, you made reference to we don't tell the story of the past for blame. And I think for a lot of people, that's one of the big fears is that if they tell their story and they tell the the fullness of their story, the fullness of the truth, that it appears as if they are blaming their past for their current choices. And and one of the things that we we discuss a lot and talk about is this idea of we never talk about the past for blaming the past. We do it for the purpose of understanding what was what do you suppose the was the role of this understanding of the past versus blaming the past as you read and, and studied the Old Testament? Yeah, for me, I go directly to the prophets for most things, but certainly for something of this nature. The whole point of God's prophets was that God steps in and is preaching himself through another figure and grabbing you by the lapels and trying to shake you, choose life, choose life, Mm -hmm. choose life. And that's how we read the prophets. Well, that involves a lot of look at where you are standing, Mm -hmm. look at what you are doing, the idolatry, the neglect of the poor, the love of yourself rather than your neighbor, all of these things, it exposes those things because that's part of look at where you are. Why can I look at where I am? 
because God's the one who's calling me to life. Mm-hmm. God's the one who has his hands on my lapels, shaking me, saying, choose life, which is him. And turn back. It's never too late. Turn back. Be reconciled. All of these kinds of phrases out of the prophets. Well, this is where I go. So when you need to tell your story out of a place of blame, which I wonder is actually just a reverse of shame, Mm -hmm. right? I can't let people look at me. So I have to, they start looking at me and see the cracks and the breaks. So I have to point to somebody else because I can't bear them looking at me. Mm -hmm. Well, oftentimes that's just shame. Right. I can't have you looking at me because I feel vulnerable and exposed. Well, actually God is looking at me and he's okay with me. He can redeem. Yep. And one of the things that we teach is this idea that blame frees me from responsibility because I don't own what is mine. And I look at everyone else and the choices that they made, and they are responsible. And shame is just the opposite, where I'm the one that's completely responsible. And one of the ways that we can know that we're in that blame-shame continuum is that we stay stuck where we are. Um, Because if I'm telling my story through the lens of blame, then I'm not owning my part and my responsibility and my contribution. But what's also true is if I'm in shame, then I'm taking all of the responsibility, which isn't true either. And truth is the thing that sets us free. So if we find ourselves telling our stories through either the lens of blame or shame, it will hold us hostage and keep us from moving forward. And I think it shapes the way we tell our stories. Mm -hmm. If I tell it from a place of blame, well, again, I don't need grace to walk into that story. I need to be somebody who is seen as not needing grace. That's not the biblical story, and there's so little room for it. And, Greg, one of the lines that you use that resonates so deeply in my soul is, we don't need Mm do-overs. We all look at our stories and think, I need a do-over. How many times, I wonder, did King David have this thought, Mm -hmm. I just need a do-over. That was really bad, what I did with Bathsheba. But we don't need do-overs. What we need is grace. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge chasm between those two. And I think the blame would say, if I had a do-over with somebody else, or the shame says, if I just had a do-over with myself, Mm -hmm. neither of those moves us anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's walking in and saying, my story is safe within the work that God is doing. You are my beloved son can be pronounced over me. Okay, Mm -hmm. now I can tell my story. And now it doesn't have to be dominated by either blame or shame. It can be what it is so that I can move toward faithfulness. Mm -hmm. One of the ways that we can understand that we are engaging our story in a redemptive way is it does set us free. Um, We are told that the truth sets us free, and I I genuinely believe that even painful truth sets us free. So if in the telling of our story we, we find ourselves more free, then we can know that we are telling it from a place of wisdom. I think another piece of this is, and if I tell my story and at the end of the story I am overwhelmed by my need of grace and I, I am filled with a desire for grace, and I have the hope that grace provides, then I can know I'm telling my story well. If at the end of telling the story, I'm just left with hopelessness and despair, and I feel stuck and trapped, then I can know that my perspective or my view of my story is skewed. 
because what we what we always have is hope. At the end of telling my story and and engaging my story and looking at my story, it's that greater context of hope that my story, my choices, my experiences are set down in the context of who God is, and it's in that space where we experience hope. That's right, and that sets apart what old theologians, uh, not that old, but some theologians have talked about Dietrich Bonhoeffer as cheap grace. Mm -hmm. So this idea that grace doesn't actually move you anywhere. Mm -hmm. So if I'm in this shame place, well, I just need grace to wipe something out. Or blame place, I need grace just to take care of that over there. Well, older theologians, it's always been the church's tradition to say, well, grace restores nature. The work of grace isn't just wiping clean, it does that, and restores. It makes us more fully human, as C.S. Lewis says. To become a Christian is just to become more human. And that's the idea, the dynamic. We need a grace that restores. And to do that, we need to be able to be honest with our stories, where we stand in them, the legacy that we are participating in and perpetuating. Legacies that need grace and need a grace that doesn't just hit the delete button. A grace that restores, that works to make us fully human. Mm-hmm. So, so kind of as we, we recap and we think of this idea of telling our story, the, the first thing that we can understand from the Old Testament is that if we're going to tell our story, we're going to tell the fullness of our story. We're going to tell all of our story. I'm trusting that um, God can be active even in those difficult or challenging places, even in those choices that were uh, destructive and hurtful to ourselves and others, that those are parts of the story that need to be told because they remind us of who God is and God's faithfulness. That's right. That's right. The Christian hope is of resurrection. That's the Christian hope mm-hmm. of this world being made new, of my body being res- raised. The hope of resurrection sets is the story in which all of our little stories find their place. And once I am safe in that story, then I can own the fullness of it. And I have to own the fullness of it. That's laid on me. That is being true. That is being honest. I don't need to whitewash things. Mm-hmm. I think the other piece is, and how we tell the story or why we tell the story is important. Mm-hmm. Again, like we've been talking about, if I'm telling my story to blame someone else in an attempt to get free from responsibility, that's not going to be helpful. That's just going to keep me stuck in the story. Or if I'm telling it from a place of shame and I believe lies about myself as I tell the story, and part of the lie that I believe is I am hopeless and there is no hope, then that's not going to be helpful either. I tell the story from the context of God's love and God's grace and God's hope, because in the telling of the story, I then get to be free. I get to move forward. Um, I often say one of the ways that, or a couple of the ways that we can know that we're not stewarding our story well is that in telling it the story, it keeps us stuck and keeps us in our shame, or we avoid telling the story. And so much of this and what we can learn from the Old Testament is about stewarding our story, that we take all that is true and we look at it through the lens of God's love and grace, and in that, that is where we find hope. That ultimately is the legacy of the past um, that serves us in moving towards the future. 
Now, that sounds an awful lot like a closing <laughs> statement. Uh, I, I used to, uh, Mark Laser and I did over 300 of the Men of Valor programs, and uh, it was pretty common for me to get to the, he'd get on a roll, and we'd get, we'd run out of time, and I'd go, Mark, can you, can you wrap this all up with a bow for us, you know, and he'd make a closing statement. But uh, I, I think that did a great job. Uh, Josh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, for joining us today. I think we ought to keep him on hold, don't you? Yeah, I, th I think Absolutely. there's room for, for uh, future shows with Absolutely. Josh. Absolutely. Uh, so we thank Josh Moon for joining us today. We thank Dr. Greg Miller, our host, and I am Randy Everett, your co-host. We hope that today's show with Josh has been beneficial to you. We also hope that this coming week is going to be a week for you that's just filled with many blessings and with great vision. 